0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 25 of the Fitness Devil podcast. That's right. We actually made it to the quarter century mark as we march on. Today, we've got Robbie Farlow on here. We'll introduce him a little bit more after the music. But uh, Robbie is the owner of SideQuest Fitness and a really fun guy. We talk a lot about nerd culture and fitness and uh, get into a deep exploration of those concepts. So stay around. Thanks.
1: Shut Shut up and sit down.
0: Hey everybody, welcome to what is going to be episode number 25 of the Fitness Devil podcast. So we've actually made it to number 25 and today we've got a guy on here who knows a lot about recording a lot of podcasts. Uh, My friend Robbie Farlow, uh, self-described uber nerd and owner of SideQuest Fitness uh, and he is an online coach uh, amongst other things. So welcome Robbie.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Actually, I just realized, guys, uh, I'm doing this podcast wrong. So give me like five seconds. I need to take my pants off. Uh, I don't ever record a podcast with pants <laughs> on because that's the joy of doing a podcast. <laughs> um, um, so, you know, 200 plus episodes that I've recorded, all pantsless. So think about that when you hear my podcast out there. You're like, this guy's not wearing pants. That's correct. The 200? Pants. Yep.
0: 200? <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, like 203? Jesus.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you re- um, you recently retired the podcast. So yeah,
1: yeah, you know, it was a, it was time, it was time.
2: We're only so, at twenty five. Hey, at 25, so. <laughs> <laughs> hey but, you know, to be honest, guys,
1: making to twenty five is a big deal. The average podcast lasts like six episodes. Oh really? Um, Hell yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah.
0: I wonder what the average listenership of these love these podcasts are.
1: I have no idea. I mean, everyone thinks they, everyone thinks when they start a podcast they're going to be Tim Ferriss or Joe Rogan, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> guys, I, I hit.
2: I was the I most was I in a month
1: was three thousand downloads, so yeah. like I I was never that huge, but
2: yeah. I was good at ten. I remember when we started it, it was like you don't have ten people listen to it outside of my mom, like we're good. We've actually been doing really well.
0: We, uh, I mean, we're averaging thirteen hundred downloads per episode, and we've got three episodes over three thousand. Our top one is at forty six hundred and growing. Like Sohee Lee nice. just blew the fuck up, and everybody loved her. So that one keeps yeah. climbing. Yeah. So it's it's been yeah. a good ride so far.
2: We need beautiful Good.
0: females. That's the key. So you,
2: you don't, you, you don't fit that bill. But we'll 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 push it anyway. Uh, yeah.
1: uh, I, I'm beautiful, but I am not. I'm not a female. I'm not on Brett Contreras'
0: Instagram. So sadly, uh, I am. I am. I do not fit that bill. Well, we've had two people on our show who've been on Brett Contreras' Instagram: uh, Sohealy and Sam Spinelli. And well, Sam is not a good-looking female either. So, but he's a super guy. He
2: didn't do four thousand either. So there's a correlation. <laughs> I think all the males are like a Um, (laughs) 1,000. So tell us about this whole um, intersection between nerd culture and fitness because we kind of want to dive into that first and foremost. And you're a nerd, I guess, I hear.
1: Uh, I mean, living, breathing, uh, I tell people this, 95% of how I see the world is through the lens of video games uh, and Star Wars. Uh, video games, comics, and Star Wars, mostly Star Wars. I think most everything can go back uh, to that. And then again, if you dive even deeper, you get into Joseph Campbell and, uh, and the monomyth and some Carl Jung. Uh, you know, you get into to those deep, uh, you know, sort of psychological archetypes that are built into our psychology. Um, but that's how I see the world, it's how I connect with things. Uh, I think you have to have those stories that connect with you. There's a reason. Uh, why every, and I won't say every, maybe that's a generalization. I will say a vast majority of, of guys will look at the scene in a new hope when Luke is standing on, uh, you know, on the edge of that, that lip over into, into the abyss essentially. And he's looking at that double sunset and you just, in that moment when the strings hit and someday that's going to be a sleeve on my arm as a tattoo. Um, you, you're hit with this. Oh my God, that's me that's that's me i've always dreamed of more than where than where i live like i i feel like i'm luke um and going back to those moments and stories uh you know helps us when we're in those tough times in life to go hey you know what if, if luke could do this if scrawny steve rogers can you know uh become captain america and can stand for something greater than himself uh you know i i can do that too
2: you don't have a star wars tattoo is what i got out of that
1: <laughs> uh, I do. I, I do. Now I'm showing it, no one will see it. Oh. Um, but it, it is in uh, Arabesh, which is the Star Wars written language. Yeah. Uh, and it says, Never tell me the odds uh, on my tricep. That's um, always been, uh, I mean, like, what guy doesn't love Han Solo? Uh, but uh, that line has always been something that I've lived by. Uh, you know, I was kind of like the scrappy kid. I mean, I was, I was a chunky kid, but like when I played sports, uh, I was a little bit like Rudy. Um, and I just like, fine coach, you want me to do this? I'm going to do it. I'm going to give it my all. Like, that's the goal. I got to get to it. Um, and never tell me the odds has always stuck with me because it's like, fine, you can tell me I can't do this, but that's you telling me the odds and I'm going to show you that I can.
2: That's sick. And then (laughs) (laughs) I I just, I I want to dive down the tattoo thing because like. I'm the same way. It was like I saw my lens through comics growing up, and it was Spider-Man. So not as yeah. I guess that's still a story. The story's yeah, still there he, at the beginning, like the whole Uncle Ben and like creating the guy and all this shit.
1: Yeah, and and the thing about Peter Parker is that, um, you know, I I, I love the new Spider-Man, but I'm always going to love Tobey Maguire because oh yeah, Tobey Tobey Maguire was the perfect everyman. You know, like I. He connected with who I was as a teenager, like the yeah. kind of awkward kid, yeah. you know, who wasn't really popular, like people kind of knew him, but like he always spawned over this one girl and God, do we all have that one girl in high school that we totally wanted to be with? Um, and, you know, our, our own sort of Mary Jane, but he was such an everyman that I think everyone connected to. Um, he was an and, average man. Think- it. it was
2: great. Like, that's what I yeah. – the new one, he's like, whatever, but the, the, the first two movies of that first Spider-Man, especially for the time they, they were released, were awesome. Like, I don't oh, think everyone dead. remembers that because they remember Spider-Man 3 and the whole thing was shit, and it wasn't. The first two were probably the best ones.
1: I, I will still to this day defend Spider-Man 3 for, for one – in that one scene, I know everyone gets upset. <laughs> And everyone's like, oh, but he goes bad and starts playing the piano out of nowhere. No, no. You're missing the point of what that scene is telling you. That scene is every time a girl has ever broken up with you or or a guy, whatever your your orientation is, when you've had a breakup, how many times did you want to go, fuck you? I'm going to prove to you that I'm better than you, and I'm going to go do something to impress you and win you back. That's what Peter Parker did. But everyone gets upset and pissed off at that scene. I'm like, but – it worked. It just didn't translate the way I think Sam Raimi wanted it to
2: translate. I just didn't like like, the whole. Like Brock was just horrible. Like, It wasn't. It, that was whatever. But it was that whole idea of that Venom was just so underwhelming. Well,
0: <laughs> you you yeah, decided like, to cast I, Topher Grace like into they tra- us. But in the a difference is, movie, like, you're going to get a bad result.
2: Well, Tobey Maguire is a nerd and is Peter Parker to some extent, where, like, yeah. He was not Brock. Brock was like no. a fairly jacked, blonde dude. And then he got more jacked. And then
0: you should throw like a, what is it? A Thomas Hardy into that role. Not fucking like, what is his name? the new Foreman from the 70s show. Jesus. What were they yeah, thinking?
1: that was, I mean that like, that was a little weird kind of casting, but let's be honest. Here's like, there was a possibility uh, that Jim from the office was going to be Captain America because it was down to between Jim, yeah. the guy that plays Jim, it, and uh, uh, and chris kransky? evans john
0: kransky is it? Yeah. yeah john kransky that, that and an i love john
1: horror. kransky but i could not see him as captain america
2: no but you know it's weird like his he which movie was the end when he was in the army it was um the one where they were, they uh, were hel- held up yeah i i don't remember but that either, one. Uh, either was way it uh, movie. uh
1: it's yeah
2: yeah it was it was it was benghazi and I did not expect him to be like a badass either, but he actually did it all right. I don't know how he would have did as Captain America because the casting they had was awesome, but he surprised yeah. me in that movie. Cause again, I just see him as Jim from the office, like this weird nerdy, awkward dude. And then he was like this fucking high level Navy seal. I think at that point.
0: Now you guys yeah. listening can hear Dean and Robbie just like going so hard into this stuff. We haven't talked, <laughs> about-, <laughs> we we haven't too- talked about shit. No, but no, actually I'll, I'll transition this to the point is, you know, we, these guys are hardcore fitness enthusiasts. So, Robbie, what I really wanted you to sort of share with everybody is what happened to see bro fitness culture and nerd culture collide in the way that, you know, you're just hearing it right now? Uh What changed to make the comic books cool in the mainstream and working out accessible to, to those nerdier purists, if that's a good way to explain it?
1: Um you know and what I have to go off of my experience and what worked for me um I think two people are responsible uh for that transition uh the person that's responsible for me being here today for writing uh for for putting my own self and my own voice out there uh you know is is John Romanello and John has written extensively about his love of superheroes uh you know alpha was based on the hero's journey and how the hero's journey applies to your fitness Um, and I think Steve cam at nerd fitness, uh, you know, as well as someone, uh, who has applied that journey and that trek and added in, Hey, I love Legos. I love video games. Uh, this is who I am. And I can be the better version of myself by striving to better my body, uh, and improving my health and my fitness. Uh, and I can still play video games. I can still sit at home and play these things, but I don't need to let those things, you know, overtake my life. And just, being 100% uh, unashamed of loving what you love, uh, I think, shows people, hey, you know, I love that stuff, too, and I'm not alone. And I know for myself, that's how I got in by reading John's book. Uh, you know, when when Roman wrote Alpha, I was like, oh, my God, there's a guy who loves comic books and, like, makes references to video games, and he loves brand new? And taking back Sunday? <laughs> I'm totally not alone. Jackpot. <laughs> Right. And, and I think that's the thing is like, there are, you have to talk about that stuff as a fitness writer. You can't just talk about like hip thrust and hip extension and knee this and calves that. And no, like you've got to talk about the stuff that matters, the stuff that really like is about life and the things you care about. And that has to be in, you know infused into what you create, whether it's video, whether it's podcasts, whether it's Writing or Instagram posts or whatever it is that you do, you need to infuse that stuff because that's how people connect. That's where people go, Hey, this guy's kind of like me. So maybe I'm going to follow his ideas. Maybe I'm going to do, you know, what he says. And, and I can still love these things because he loves these things. And he's not just all the time bicep curls. And he's not the situation from, you know, New Jersey and, and, uh, or whatever. I mean, not that I'm trying to trash on in Jersey, but, uh, from Jersey Shore. Out of anyone's
2: like the situation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but but there are like there are legitimately people out there who are just doing douchebag things on Instagram all the yeah. time. But the people that are really changing lives so the people that are talking about real things and the things they care about. Um, and I think that is, you know, it's when you can make those allusions to a movie, uh, to a book, to something that has inspired you, other people connect to it. Um, and that's what people are looking for in this industry. They're not looking, yes, they're looking to feel better. Yes. They, uh, you know, maybe want to look a little, you know, better in the uh, naked in the mirror. And maybe they do want to, you know, live longer for their kids or their families or their husbands or their wives. But what they are really looking for is the one thing every human being is looking for. And that's connection. And if you can't connect with people, (laughs) your business and you as a personal trainer, you should probably just go sit at a desk and and do spreadsheets all day. If you can connect with people and truly connect with people, you will have a successful business, and that's what you know people are really after. Yeah, they want bicep curls, they want bigger biceps, they want a you know a, they want the abs, they want a flatter stomach, they want to live longer. But connection is what people really, really are are yearning for.
2: Well, and what change to make? Like we'll call like people looking for connection, but what made, I guess we'll just use comics or the nerd culture kind of more mainstream to even get people to listen to people like you, like what happened, Uh, what happened there?
1: So I've been thinking about this for a while. So uh, if you remember uh, in uh, in the eighties, you know, we had Revenge of the Nerds. We had that movie, Uh, three movies. Maybe I think there were three. There may be more. I don't know. I just, I know Bobcat Goldthwait was in one of them. And for some reason, his voice I liked as a kid uh and i just always loved him so i watched revenge of the nerds um but uh so you had revenge of the nerds and you had screech you know and, and you had other ones as well urkel. I, and, and, and sure so. oh dude are you dude urkel was amazing and then when you went urkel all of us nerds were like how do i do that how do i become that guy that's <laughs> the guy i want to be i don't want to be urkel i want to be urkel um, not gonna lie totally my entire life i've been screech powers and trying to build a body that looks more like ac slater but i'm just uh i'm just the guy that looks like ac trapped in screech's brain i
0: kind of hope um, that you stop before you went down the road that uh, screech ultimately isn't is he still in jail or yeah i think he's in jail. no no he's out is he no i don't think he was in jail he just had the like
1: yes okay people have some like crazy things and people are fucked up like fine um but in that instance of, of what you were, you were asking how <laughs> nerds became popular is I think for so long, those movies and those shows, they, they beat us down. They told us that it wasn't cool to, to love science, that it wasn't cool to love comic books, that it wasn't cool to talk about these things. Go and look at the first season. God, it was such an amazing uh, show. Um, freaks and Geeks. Like that's the, that, those are the two extremes. You have the geeks and then you have kind of the like the outsider freaks. And then at the end of the season, you know, the the freaks and geeks are hanging out. They're playing D&D. They realize that they're kind of, you know, there's a kinship between them. And like, they're kind of both the same, you know, one and the same. And I think what happened is nerds and geeks started making art. Uh, The internet came up and that just proliferated all of this information that, hey, you're not alone. Uh, And video games became popular and more people started wearing it on their sleeve as a badge of honor. And, you know, I think, as, as those stories became, uh, you know, more and more connected and more and more people connected through that, we all started to realize that, hey, guys, the nerds won. Like, we did this yeah. weird covert op, you know, war that, like, we won because now you are all wearing Zelda t-shirts and you're all going to see superhero movies and people just live it now, and they're not afraid to admit what they love.
2: Well, and I think uh, I actually have a good story about that. I'm, I remember my high school graduating class. So let's just – perk like I'm from a hockey town, like St. Albert. But it's a huge hockey town, and we have a bunch of nerds, blah, blah, blah. But that whole thing where everything converged, the internet, YouTube, video games, Halo 2 came out. And I Whoa. remember specifically – like I totally am going to – a friend of mine downloaded the, the leaked version of Halo 2, and I remember that – word got around school that like we had Halo 2 and we're going to like we're like fuck it let's have like a Halo 2 party and i remember we had like literally like, four systems hooked up and we had like three different Halo 2 parties with jocks and nerds and fucking the DDR dancers the fucking Starcraft people and everyone was like friends and i was like man Halo 2 did it everyone <laughs> yeah. wins man yeah
1: dude <laughs> and that's like i think going to college i, I kind of realized that too that uh you know being a theater kid, you're already kind of a weird outsider. And then, uh, you know, just, just in and of itself. But like, I grew up playing all the sports with the jocks. Like I played with all those guys. I, I I knew those guys and, you know, they were still trying to live that, that image of like, you know, Mr. Popular or whatever. Um, but I would go over to their house and we're playing Halo. And like, they would nerd out on Halo there in like the confines of their own room. They wouldn't nerd out like at school about it. um, but, like, they, they would nerd out about that, you know, in, in their own room and have fun. And I think that more people just realized oh, there's a lot more people out here like me playing video games and nerding out about this. So let's just get together and play. Yeah, like, fuck it.
2: Um, yeah. So let's kind of go back to fitness. So we're talking about nerds, gamers, people coming out of the gamer closet, whatever you want to fucking call it. <laughs> um, we, we'd stay, still say they're underserved. So, like... Pokemon Go, for example, did it in about five fucking minutes. They pretty much mobilized every fucking individual on this planet, nerds, jocks, everyone alike. What do you feel needs to happen to do the same thing for, like, the strength community or this active lifestyle sort of movement? Like, what needs to be the Pokemon Go that's actually, like, will last instead of being, like, a flash in the pan?
1: Um, you know, it's it's funny. Pokemon Go is still... Uh, kind of has a lot of fans uh, because they keep making updates to it. Uh, And I see people all the time, like, in in where I live, kind of doing it uh, and talking about it. Um, You know, I've always had a a dream of having uh, something like Pokemon Go. And now that we have augmented reality on our phones, um, you know, it is possible to create a game uh, where you could be fighting Bowser. And Bowser is throwing fireballs at you, and you have to squat and dodge and dip uh, you know, and do basic exercises, uh, squats, ups whatever to beat Bowser or beat this boss. Um, and I think we could do that with augmented reality. And I think that would help. Um, but I think, I think the big thing about it is, um, you know, one thing I've never admitted is that at one point I kind of had an addiction to games. Um, and I know that sounds weird for a gamer to say, uh, but I was playing probably 17 hours a day. Jesus. Um, and the now, now granted the economy tanked in 2009 and there were no damn jobs. And I was like, well, what else am I supposed to do? And I'm out of college and no one wants to hire me. I guess I'll just sit here and play video games. Um, and that's what I did. I just, I just played video games, but I had no meaning. My life was just video games. It was, I was lost. I didn't know what, what I was doing. Um, you know, the only meaning that I had was the fact that the gaming clan that I was playing with in Call of Duty made me a leader. And I was leading, you know, practices. I was leading our uh, the competitions we were doing online through uh, uh, game battles uh, back in the day. Uh, we sucked. I mean, we, we were awful. We got our asses handed to us. Um, but I was leading and I was coming up with strategies and I was learning. So, like, that kind of gave me a little something to live for. But I think a lot of gamers... Um, use gaming as an escape and it is an escape and I think it's a fine escape, but I think it's a way for us to To escape but also learn lessons uh, Nintendo taught me how to recognize patterns because that's really what regular nintendo games were and even yeah. super nintendo Really all games are patterns. You have to figure out the pattern to to win uh, And you kind of have to do that in life as well But I think for a lot of us We jump into into that world because that world gives us more Than the actual real world on the outside Um, Having read Ready Player One, I'm really excited for the movie when it comes out. And I'll be honest, when I read it, I was like, I don't want to live in real life. I want to live in that world because that world, I can go to a Lego universe and play in like a Lego universe. I can go to the Joss Whedon universe and play around and act like I'm Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I can go to a Star Wars universe. All of that has all the universes I want to go to. It sounds far more exciting
0: than Bumfuck Georgia. It sounds like Uh, a more advanced version of Tron if you think about it, it, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and we get, you know, it's very easy for us to get lost in that reality. And you hear people who have, uh, you know, they spend 80 hours a week playing world of Warcraft or back in the day they did. And part of that was again, yeah. 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 But one of the reasons you did that is I I'm, unless you played completely solo by yourself, you probably had a clan or a group of people you played with. You had that connection. And that's where I think online gaming, uh, you know, has changed things is you could sit in your room back in the day and just play Mario all day. You could play Madden or whatever else all day. But online opened up the ability for you to connect with other human beings. And the guys that are, that were in my gaming clan, you know, I don't, I don't speak to them as much anymore. None of us really play together anymore. Um, but we still are Facebook friends. We still interact. Um, and I know for a fact that many of us, if there were ever you know an issue or something that we needed to come together for we would all come together for one another because we there was this this unspoken brotherhood that we sort of created
2: um and and i think that's no good go ahead no you go ahead well
1: i was gonna say i think that's that's what is lacking in creating something for gamers to get more active they need a community Um, you can do it by yourself but not many people can that percentage is so small in the world most of us need someone to keep us accountable and we need a community, uh, to keep ourselves pushed forward and people to support us as we go along. Um, I don't think that community needs to be a thousand, but it could be, it could be smaller. Um, but I think having that community is important. I think that's the thing that no one has really been able to do yet. How do you build a game? Fitocracy tried, but Fitocracy completely failed in that. Um, but you know, uh, it was there, they created an RPG experience for fitness for getting in shape you had challenges you had uh you know badges you could earn uh, but they should have done things like community challenges you know halo 3 did that with you know one weekend like we have to kill a hundred thousand covenant and people showed up and they ended up killing like a million covenant in like 36 hours like everyone has got online to do it and like people got points but it was like this huge community aspect and i think that's what gamers would need to get them active is have people they can talk to you can do it you know, while playing games and creating that aspect of the community, create it through a Facebook group or through a group online or through something like Fitocracy, but put that game aspect in it because people want to have goals and things they can accomplish.
0: A lot of gyms are... Like, really, really great gyms. Uh, the gym that Dean works at L2 or Mark Fisher Fitness, where you interned, uh, over yeah. like last year, uh, M- Movement Minneapolis, Jen Sinkler and, uh, Dave Dalnave's place. We can go on and on. Vigor Ground, Luca Hosevar's place. These places are fantastic at creating a sense of community. And I think that's why they're very successful. So yeah. I, I, these are very obviously small scale things. Hopefully that there's some way that on a grander scale, we can get not only people in general, but also the people who, don't get access to the traditional fitness community as well. I think again, going back to Mark Fisher Fitness, that place does a wonderful job of getting the theater community, arts community, you know, the the gay community in New York. That's a big part of his clientele to get into a world that you know, before this, they probably didn't even feel like they wanted to be a part of, or they were intimidated by.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, and that that was, that was one of the big things I saw there is just how community driven they are. Uh, you know, at at Mark Fisher Fitness. Um, and, you know, Mark Cuban says he, he considers everyone that comes there, the Isle of misfit toys. And, you know, one of the most powerful experiences I had this summer, and I may get a little emotional here just cause I miss this place. I miss everyone that is there. Uh, and it, there really is to, to be in, in a place where everyone really cares for everyone there, uh, is, is just an experience you, I can't put in the words. I've tried. And it just sits in a folder somewhere because I don't know how to actually bring forth, uh, what it was like. But I remember Brian Patrick Murphy, who's, uh, one of the trainers there, uh, you know, was walking, walking, uh, you know, someone around and, and they were coming to see about being a ninja and, and signing up. Uh, and you know, the entire time he, he made the experience, the experience about her, it wasn't about here's what Mark Fisher fitness does. Like, here's what will happen. Like, what do you want? How can you, know, what what are you looking to change? You know, here's what we can do with that, but like this is about you. And she stopped in the middle of it and she said, You know, Brian, like I was a little skeptical about coming here, but I feel like you've heard me. Like you see me. And I feel like any other gym and any other place I've ever been in, no one sees me. I just am a fly on the wall that no one pays attention to, but but you see me. And Brian burst into tears, you know, as he was telling us that because I think that's the problem with a lot of gyms and good gyms like Movement Minneapolis, uh, you know, uh, Mark Fisher Fitness and, and, and others as well is you see people. They're not just a member. They're not just a sign, you know, a, a number on your spreadsheet. Um, really seeing people and really listening and welcoming them uh, helps create that sense of community. And I think that's something that uh, big box gyms just can't do. Um, because they just don't have the resources, you know, uh, or maybe they do, but they just don't, they don't know. They know about bottom line. They're only focused on, uh, you know, stockholders or, or prices or, or this or that. They, they forget that the human being is the most important thing because that is the person paying your salary. Uh, you know, so you have to make that experience about them. You have to really see them and help them.
2: Yeah, we're both just like, yep, you're right. <laughs> Everyone's so. well. It it just, it just goes back to like, even if we go back to games, and I'll bring it there. Is just that I remember, and when I was playing MMOs, and when I was playing COD, and all these things, it was it was the community. And you brought that up, and I was like, you know what? It was like all I think about is, hey, me and my buds did this, or me and my boys did this. It wasn't about the actual game specifics. And I think that yeah, the people who are doing it right in fitness are the ones that people are going. And they're not necessarily caring about this workout or that workout, but they want to be—they want to be there with people that, I guess, see them. That's like a great way of putting yeah. it.
1: Yeah, and that's why CrossFit was so has has done so well because, you know, people love CrossFit because there's a community. There's there's a group of people that you go and you see every day. And uh, you know, the nutrition company that I work for now has a lot of CrossFit clients. And you know, I admit I'm kind of a bro. I just love all the classic bodybuilding stuff. Um, you know, and I'm very big on like, yeah, you don't need to work out five or six days a week. Like you can really lose body fat with like three days a week, just good workouts. And the rest of the time, just enjoy your life. But there are some people who are like, listen, I'm dog tired and I really shouldn't go, but I got to go to CrossFit, man. I got to go. I I miss my family. My family is there. Like that's my church. I got to go. Um, and that's, you know, that fills their cup for them. Um, so it's, it's the community aspect I think is, is game changing.
2: And what are you, I guess, what are you doing? So in terms of your online and what you're doing business-wise, what are you doing with your message to kind of, I guess, attack that notion of community or bringing together the nerd, the game, or the comic book fan kind of and get them more active? Like how are you tailoring that for yourself?
1: Uh, So, you know, I do one-on-one coaching, which uh, I'm I'm trying to turn into a game uh, in some aspects. Um, So like with my one-on-one coaching, uh, you get a monthly program, But you get three weeks of a program, and then the final week, the fourth week, is a boss battle. Um, so I create a boss. Sometimes it's bosses, you know, like there is Ganondorf. Sorry, Nintendo, don't sue me. Um, and, and some others as well. Uh, Darth Vader, the Lich King, uh, of Agnemar, uh, and, and, you know, and some other stuff and some fun ones that I've made up. Um, but it's taking the things that you've been working on throughout the, you know, throughout the month, uh, and making them a little bit more challenging, making, making a tweak. So you've been doing goblet squats. Okay, cool. Well, now you've, you've been doing 5 by 5 with goblet squats or 4 by 10 Now you're going to do goblet squats 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off for six rounds. Uh, but you've got to do six rounds in 10 minutes. And for each round you complete, you do two hit points of damage to the boss. Um, and if you don't beat the boss, fine, cool. You'll fight that boss again. Next month, the program moves on. It progresses. Um, so you're constantly getting stronger. You're getting leaner. You're feeling better. Um, but the boss battle kind of keeps you engaged because you know, at the end of the month that you have something fun coming your way. And that was something that I noticed a lot of people get really bored. Oh God, three weeks in. Oh, wow. I have something fun coming this week. Cool. Let me go for it. Um, you know, and then trying to give people some power ups, uh, you know, kind of go into RPG land. So like, uh, you'll do five damage to the boss before the battle even starts, but all your rest periods are decreased by 20 seconds. Uh, and you have to add two more reps to each exercise. Um, you know, and then I have an app and I go in and change all that, uh, for them. Uh, so, you know, making it fun, making it difficult, challenging themselves. Um, the community aspect is something new I'm doing. I just launched a group coaching program for men, uh, in January called the pack. Uh, and the guys in there are crushing it. They're loving it. Uh, and my big thing with that is, and I told them when I got in, I was like, guys, you know, before I open the doors again to new people, we get to build the pack. We are the ground. Uh, we are the ones that get to you know, create this base. Uh, I want you guys to encourage one another. I want you to push one another. I want you to share your triumphs, your struggles here in this group um, because you know we are only as strong as all of us you know, coming together. You know, individually, we can do great things, but together we can do even greater things. Um, so trying to kind of build that in uh, into that. And then I have a free Facebook group for men as well called The Man Cave um, you know, where I'm kind of doing similar things. Um, but, uh, you know, that's just a free Facebook group. I just put up, uh, you know, good, uh, you know, free content there, um, you know, in the pack as a monthly subscription. So, um, you know, just doing what I can to build that community as slowly as possible. Um, I think it was something I wish I had done from the beginning, but it, I didn't go to school for this. I didn't know what I was doing. I'm just kind of following
0: uh, and seeing what works for others and trying to adapt it to myself. Well, if these online communities, these Facebook groups are more popular than ever. Patrick Humphrey's group is, what, 14,000 super popular. And I know Jay and Sarah Ashman are doing uh, Pump, Dump, and Hump. And we've had both of those guys on here. We'll get Sarah on in the future. And this sort of thing is popular. And you get tons of engagement that way and community.
2: Yeah, I made more, yeah. I made nerd strength just to try it out. I got like hundred people, but I was like, "Fuck yeah!"
0: Well, add add Robbie to nerd strength. You'll love it. But, but again, there's so many groups now. It's insane. Well, the,
2: um, the,
1: yeah, there's there yeah. there are because the groups pop up in your feed. Whereas like you're, I mean, and then there and like it's kind of a way to hack Facebook a little bit. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's a better way to to get more engagement, and it's a better way to reach more people. Um, because they'll get a notification that someone has posted in the group and, and people can kind of interact and, and help one another. Um, you know, as opposed to, you have to be friends to see this thing.
2: Yeah. And I think that <laughs> it can get pretty crazy though. Cause I remember with like, let's just eat train and progress is like 14 K. It's like, I turn the notifications on some people. Cause like, there's a lot of notifications but from yeah. a whole different crowd, I think that that's where even, like, these groups are getting bigger because there's so many people that identify with, let's just say, different things or have a different balance of fitness and nerd or just all nerd or nerd and fucking sword fighting. Like, there's so many different combinations of people that people are just trying to serve them, I guess.
0: Yeah. Let's yeah. now go to something you mentioned earlier. You sort of started off on this a lot, actually. You talked about the hero's journey in your own work, uh, and you heavily referenced John Romanello and Joseph Campbell. Uh, I recently read a book, uh, Building a Story Brand, I mentioned a few times on the podcast, by a guy named Donald Miller, which details the exact same concept, a little simplified. Oddly enough, he makes no mention of Campbell in the book, and I was a little disappointed <laughs> with that. I thought, hey, that's, that's a little bogus. Uh, but describe to our listeners what the hero's journey actually is. And why it's so important to both fitness professionals, because we have the audience there, and fitness enthusiasts and consumers, also part of our audience. Uh, so
1: there is actually a better version. Uh, and I think I, I had it bookmarked at one point. I don't know if it's still in my bookmarks. Uh, so the, the hero's journey, I, I love the hero's journey. It can be a little uh, intense sometimes uh, in how deep he kind of goes. Uh, with with everything, there's a great one that's a little more, um, I will say, less nerdy and less in depth. Called the uh, the writer's journey, uh, and it's one that a guy, uh, an executive at Disney, took Campbell's theories, kind of cut out a couple of things and applied it to screenwriting. And if you read it, you're like, oh my god, this is this is the bare bones of every movie I've seen in the last thirty years. Like every movie kind of follows this uh, this thing. Um, but you have the hero's journey is basically you have the ordinary world. That's where you are right now. Uh, you have an inciting in the inciting event, uh, which is, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, you're driving to work and your ordinary world is your ordinary drive. And then you hit a deer. Well, that's your inciting event. So now your journey for the rest of the day is, uh, how do you, you know, dispose of the deer, uh, the guy who comes to take care of the deer, that's an ally that you meet on this, on this quest. Um, you know, and, and then, uh, I'm trying to use the deer as an analogy. Uh, you know, you're, you're, your drive to work is now. Yeah. But your drive to work is now impeded by this, this obstacle of the deer. So how do you overcome it? How do you use the ally, you know, a friend to help move you along this way? Um, but using star Wars as a scope, uh, cause it's just the easiest way to, to talk about the hero's journey. We have the ordinary world, uh, with Luke. He's on a desert planet. Uh, he, uh, the, the robots come, uh, he sees this message, uh, that's kind of the inciting event, but then he goes to meet the old wizard, and there's always a wizard in these stories or an old wise man, uh, and this goes back, you know, all throughout history and time uh, in stories as well. Um, and he says, "Come with me to Alderaan." And he says, "No, I can't." He goes home. Uncle Owen and Aunt Baru are now toasty skeletons, and he's like, "Well, shit, I can't stay here. I guess I'm going to go with this old man on this exciting adventure." um So he goes on this adventure. He meets Han and Chewie. They become his allies. He meets the princess and there's a whole lot of stuff about, uh, the feminine as well in the hero's journey. And that's why it's a little more in depth when you go into Campbell. Um, but he meets the princess. Uh, you know, you think about all the stories, King Arthur and the princess. Uh, you look at the, you know, the knight saving the princess from the dragon. Um, I think in modern telling, uh, and I'm just going to mention it once, uh, someone who really nails this sort of idea a little bit more, uh, is, is Jordan Peterson. Uh, I've read a lot of his stuff and watched a lot of his YouTube stuff. Um, And I think he just has a very good understanding of like, uh, humans versus the dragon and the dragon being the obstacles and the things you fear that you don't want to attack. Um, but you go and you, you're, you're fighting this, this obstacle, this dragon, it could be losing weight. It could be hitting that next PR. It could be, um, you know, you have an injury and injury becomes a dragon. How do you train past that? Uh, and it's the journey and the things you learn and the mentors, uh, you know, the, the articles, articles could work, the coaches that you hire, uh, that help you through this journey. Um, you know, and then you, you you achieve your journey, you get the treasure that you seek, which is you know, how to continue working out when you have a shoulder injury uh and you don't gain fat, you actually lose weight, or you, you know, continue uh your strength gains, uh, and then you come back with that treasure and that knowledge now can be applied to the rest of your life. Um and then again a new journey will start. So some new obstacle uh will come your way. Um and it's a circle, the circle of life. Um uh, that's just kind of how the hero's journey works. Um, but you're in the world, something, uh, happens, you have to overcome it. You either have friends or a mentor to help you through it. You go through hell and high water to over to achieve it. Uh, and then once you achieve it, that's the treasure that you seek. And now you have to bring that treasure back into the new world. You've been resurrected from death, uh, and, and are brought new with this knowledge that you have.
0: I think one of the most important pieces of all this is the concept of the guide, that mentor. Yeah. And, you know, what you just described was obviously Star Wars, but it also describes Gandalf and Frodo in Lord of the Rings, which is a very classic example. Harry Potter is the other one that is always cited. And for the fitness professionals, something that a lot of fitness professionals don't understand is they position themselves as the, quote, hero of their story. And that's the mistake that they're making. You're the guide. You are Gandalf. You are not Frodo. The client is Frodo. I want to be Frodo.
2: No, you're fucking Gandalf or you're gonna yeah. be poor.
0: And if yeah. you start to understand that the client is the star of all this stuff and make them the centerpiece of it, then your both your content, your message, and also your interaction with the clients. I think you'll have a lot more success. And now when it comes to the client, I mean, this is it. You are the center of all this stuff. And, you know, if you're in front of a fitness professional that, you know, it's, they're very egocentric in how they go about it. Well, I don't know if they're necessarily going to be the best person to help you. So if you're looking for someone who you want as a guide to this process, make sure that they understand that you know this is about you, the client, and, and not about themselves.
1: Yeah, and, and if you look at, at Gandalf, actually, you know, using Lord of the Rings, I will say this: uh, so you on your journey, whatever your journey may be, you are Frodo, but really your guide is Samwise. Like Samwise, even Tolkien said is kind of the real hero of that. Um, but he's there with you along, along the way. And that's the kind of coach and mentor you want. Um, they are that kind of Gandalf person that knows everything, but they're also a little bit of Samwise that they're there with you. They're pushing with you. They're, you know, they're supporting you and keeping you accountable. Uh, you know, and when you do fall down, you know, and, and you go into, uh, you know, you think about, uh, how the, the dead marshes as I, I think that's what they're called. Uh, you know, and you, you want to fall, you want to fall into those dead marshes. You have to have someone to pick you up, and that's where you know a good coach and mentor is also a Samwise that they're there with you to help pick you up and keep you accountable. Um, so I think it's kind of a mix of Gandalf and Samwise, but that's just that's just me.
0: Well, that's actually a really good point. It's funny, like we keep mentioning. Uh, you mentioned Han Solo earlier, and like people. Identifying the stuff. This is totally off topic, but I always identify with the Aragorns and the Han Solos of this stuff. They're the ones I like. I these Skippy little Frodo types. I can't. Oh, those don't resonate with I, me, but I, I like the kind of the, I think the, Han the Han badass friend.
2: I think the new movie, like the Han Solo movie next year, is going to be fucking. I bet it'll be the nope, most successful. No, nope, no,
0: nope, that movie, no, nope, that
1: movie doesn't exist. What? That is a, an awful fan film. Oh yeah, it's, some, the, it's,
2: who, yep. it's a, Boba Fett. A, apparently,
0: nope, apparently nope, the Han I, that they cast was terrible. I no, know. there wasn't. You, I, I,
1: I'm not going to see it. I refuse. it doesn't exist. <laughs> I, okay? I, I've said this since day one. If Catholics and Protestants can have two different Bibles, then we Star Wars fans can have two different canons. And for me, that movie doesn't exist, okay? Mara Jade still exists, all right? Luke still marries her. maybe not in the you know the last Jedi sense. Maybe she dies somewhere, but she's there. She exists. All of that exists in my head. Dash Rendar, he's a ginger who's kind of like Han Solo, totally exists. So you're
2: mad so they extended no, it?
1: Uh, I'm mad that they would even do it because I don't need to see that story. <laughs> and I think – because the only Han Solo is Harrison yeah, Ford. But and if yeah. Harrison Ford
2: isn't in it, I don't care. That's, that's fair. But I think that they know as well as you know that Han Solo is arguably bigger than Luke in terms of like fandom.
1: Oh, and yeah, the, yeah, it, yeah. It's going to
2: smash – everything like I guarantee it'll be the most successful Star Wars movie to date
0: Luke turned out to be kind of what a whiny little like, especially a, after like all, all the Jedi I have, end up being I haven't whiny seen little the last buggers one. that ran away I haven't seen the last one
2: yet but I know that people didn't love Luke in that one so now the Han Solo movie's gonna fucking go off no,
1: because here uh I don't even get me started on that people who didn't like the last Jedi are like the same people who don't like front squats oh, but, it, but
2: it's but it's, get it's here's the here's the problem when <laughs> this is this is the problem with when nerd culture let's just say goes mainstream now you get all the other people that didn't like that shit in there and you're not going to get along with everyone because people didn't love comic books and now everyone's like I'm a fucking Spider-Man fan for life it's like listen fucker I got this tattoo in my brain since I was 12 years old and now everyone and their mom has fucking superhero tattoos but I can't be mad at them because it's, it's for the yeah. greater good. Yeah, dude,
1: it's, it, it works. It works the same way with sports. I mean, how yeah. many times have you been a fan of a team that just sucked for like twelve years, yeah. and then all of a sudden they get good and start winning for like four or five years, and all yeah. the bandwagon fans hop on, and you're like, "No, sir, yeah. you are not a fan of this team." Did you cry yourself to sleep for a decade? No, you did not. I did.
0: This is why Cubs fans and the, are, uh, are so passionate. And, and God, here lies like the problem. Like,
2: this is the community, yeah. though, because it, it's just like that battle is what makes it bigger. So it's it's awesome. You hate all the new fans, basically, but you're happy that it's become bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've so, seen all the guys.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're obviously this episode has been completely about uh, you know nerd gamer culture, fitness, and all this stuff. <laughs> they they obviously merge. So what? How have you done well with you know taking your scotch, which you love, and I love too, and squats? You know the Dungeons and Dragons with the deadlifts. Like, how do you balance the two in terms of finding time for both and not letting one take over the other? Because you mentioned World of Warcraft earlier, man. Like. I once logged on. I used to play. I used to run a, a guild, raid, all this sort of stuff. This, this totally nerdy stuff in a different life. And I had trouble getting into the gym. But I once logged on. I think I'd been playing the game for about three and a half years. And I looked at. You can look and see how long you were logged on on a particular character. And oh my fucking god! I Don't found out it. that I actually was logged on for one full year in a space of three and a half years on this one character. And people are going to listen to this and be like, "What the fuck? <coughs> this is a decade ago." And Tina's like crying laughing at that uh so how do you find the balance because you said you used to play games all the time
1: uh uh here's uh, i don't live in the middle i live on extremes uh i and that's just the way i am i i have always been um either a, a i won't say a hell yes or a hell no but like strongly on one side or the other uh and when I struggle the most to find meaning in my life and understand where I need to go, that's when I'm waffling somewhere in the middle. I don't have either of those extremes. Um, And that's sort of where I I sort of operate. And right now, the last couple of years, I've done nothing but put a hundred percent of, I'll say 99% effort. Uh, Like I played video games a little bit, uh, but everything's been into building side quests and improving as a writer and doing the podcast and growing my business and, and helping people, um, you know, I've just now kinda wrenched back a little bit and started playing a few more games. Um, but I've also been disappointed with this console cycle because oh, yeah. I should have bought a PlayStation four. I really regret oh, buying the Xbox One. Now. I did that, I sold it. Um, I just I haven't done it yet because I'm like I have a huge gamer score and like I still have a lot of friends I kinda like to occasionally play with, but I should have bought the PS4. Yeah, they bought it was uh, Yeah, they, they this generation has been nothing but remakes and it's just well, I don't I don't care to play a game that I already spent $60 on 4 years ago.
2: See, I'm different. I got the Switch because they're making all remakes, but it's just convenient going back to growing up and not every Dude, time. But like Xbox One yeah. was bad.
1: But the Switch is also six consoles in one. Right. I can play Super Mario Brothers from the SNES on it. Like and I bought it
2: knowing that. So I was good yeah. with it, but like yeah, the, I should have got a PS4. Okay, sorry. Continue. Fuck. <laughs> um so I,
1: I'm not very good with balance. And, and this is something that, you know, in the last few months uh, I've been having to work on really hard with my wife, um, you know, by putting all my attention on the business and really focusing on on that and trying to, for once, not half-ass something in my life and actually make something uh, of something I want to do. I, I have, you know, sacrificed uh, some important time with her and, and, and caused some, you know, some issues and, and left her on the back burner from time to time. And, you know, we've had a lot of discussions and, you know, we've been in counseling and talking through things and really working through that. And I'm trying to become more balanced, but both of us tend to both live on extremes. So uh, it's very hard for both of us to uh, to come in the middle and balance things out. Um, but I think sometimes that's kind of what you have to do. And even with fitness, you know, you sometimes have to be the broccoli rice and, and chicken eater and that's all you eat. That's it. Like you just go to that extreme. And sometimes, you know, you've got to push it hard in the gym for a goal. And sometimes you got to pull back and do less. And, uh, you know, sometimes you can be more free with your diet. And, um, I think that in life going from one extreme to the other is sometimes necessary, but eventually you kind of slow down and you find a good flow, so that you're never really too far on one side or the other, but it comes with trial and error. Um, and that's where I am right now. I'm still trying to find that balance of how do I work enough that I get work done, but still enjoy the time with, with my wife and still enjoy that game time, uh, you know, and, and still do things that, that I enjoy and love that refill my cup and make me feel better and help me stay productive and give me inspiration, uh, you know, for, for articles or, or for whatever. Um, so I think it's, you know, it's one of those things. Sometimes you just got to kind of learn it the
0: hard way. I think there's actually a really important takeaway in all that too. And anyone listening who is struggling with finding that balance again, like I personally, I think that living on the extremes, you got to be very careful with that. But us as fitness professionals, we don't have this shit all figured out. And in a lot of cases we're born of having been on one end of the extreme or the other. I've been on both ends in the past, just the way you described it. And a lot of it is that quest for, some semblance of balance, I suppose, or or comfort in a little bit further towards one of the extremes. I tend to be very much immersed in my fitness and my work and my career, and I barely touch my gaming consoles ever anymore, even watch television. But we don't have it all figured out. So when you're there thinking, oh, like, I'm struggling with this and this and this, whatever, like, you'd be surprised. Sometimes we seem like we have it all together, uh, and we don't necessarily have it all. So we're going oh. through some of that same stuff that you are, Perhaps we're a little bit further along that. Perhaps we found a balance that allows yeah. us to function, but the, don't think for a second that we're perfect.
2: I was just going to say, I had this conversation. It's funny. I just had this conversation last night. And it was like, we're talking about the good old days, and like, some of my buddies still play League of Legends till three in the morning. And I'm, we're talking about, I'm like, I just don't have the fucking time. And I think that going from one extreme to the other and talking about being in the extreme of, if you're kind of caught in the middle there, and that's when you played a lot of games, is that. Until you find something where it trumps everything else, you can get lost in video games. And it it becomes two different places. Video games can either... You can get lost in them and go down to the extreme of, I would say, almost unproductivity. And then you can go to the part where it fills up your tank. And that's when you're playing one or two hours every other day. And it's hard to get to that place because I've been on both sides. And I'm I'm struggling to get it back in my life because fitness has just taken it over. And it's interesting because video games can have different meanings for different people in different times. And I think... I don't know. What's the philosophical fucking place. I'm going with that. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> there might get no, enough. I but,
1: <laughs> I, but I think you're, I think you made a good point there. Uh, you know, Dean, that sometimes you have to go, like you're on one extreme and it's going to take you going a whole other extreme to pull away from that extreme. Yeah. Um, and it's just kind of this, sometimes life is like a game of a game of pong. You're the ball and you're just being bounced from one end to the other. Um, and it's the journey from that one pong, you know, mallet or stick or whatever the hell it is, uh, rec- right. uh, rectangle. Like it's just it's that journey from one to the other um, that where all the learning is done. It's never getting to the other side. It's it's learning in that that negative space, if you
0: will.
2: It's actually a line of code. <laughs> <laughs> you want to actually, go really deep, well, actually, for first
0: <laughs> second there, I thought he said something else. <laughs> what do you think he said? Well, line of Oh, a lot of Coke.
2: No, <laughs> actually, maybe back then when they were making those games, definitely on a lot of Coke for sure. Oh, because that probably. was that time when they were like it was huge in the stock markets, but also a lot of the programmers that because it wasn't like a it was a recreational drug, but it was also a work drug at that point. Like it wasn't stigmatized as bad then. Yeah.
0: Well, Robbie, we're probably <laughs> short on time for you, so let's sneak in a couple. No, I mean, in- I got, I got. I got a couple minutes if you guys want, uh, if you have anything else. Well, we <laughs> got, we got a couple more questions. We love to tackle with everybody. So the big one is, is every episode okay. we ask, uh, our guest to share a book, something that you're currently reading or something that's been particularly profound. And I know you're definitely a fan of literature. So what would you suggest has been a big influence for you and, uh, and what you'd want to share to people? Um, man,
1: Yeah, Currently I'm, I'm, I'm reading Jordan Peterson's 12 rules of life and antidote to chaos, which is, uh, I, I love it. Um, but, uh, and that's, that's just me and diving deep into psychology and, and, you know, the hero, like there's the hero's journey in there. There's also myth and, and, and biblical stories and stories of, of, of ancient and, or that, that are there and, and talking about how it applies to today. Um, so that, that one's very interesting, but, uh, in terms of books that like, I think everyone, um, you know, should read nonfiction, I, I'm gonna say honestly, Dell Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence Others is just like the language is a little archaic and you're reading it and you're like, people used to talk like this? Like really?
0: That's well, a hundred year old uh, book right now, isn't there something close yeah, to that? It's yeah. Still a but
1: but in terms of like really understanding human beings and how to be a good like a better person, someone who can listen and really uh, you know, just be a better human. I think that's uh, been a big influence on me uh, is having gone through that book and really uh, reading that uh, fiction, the name of the wind. I'm just never not going to say read that. Uh, it's so good. It's so amazing. Some of the most beautiful writing ever. Uh, and just some wisdom in lines that will just take your breath away. What is it? Uh, the name of the wind is a fantasy series uh, by Patrick, Patrick Rothfuss. Uh, it is, uh, the story of, uh, a young man, uh, a young redhead, uh, named Colt, uh, and, uh, his journey. Coats? Through the
2: world that he, Co, Colt. Uh, sorry, Abner's last name is Coates. Sorry, interrupt. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it's, it's, when you read it, it's, it's spelled K-V-O-T-H-E, um, but it's supposed to have that sort of like, um, old, um, like sort of uh, middle European, like Eastern European, a little bit of the uh, influence of some Slavic, but also like that Hebrew sort of um, hard consonants um, and how you pronounce the name. And you can, you can hear the guy pronounce it online. Um, but it's just a, an amazing story uh, of a guy who his family is killed. Uh, and he goes on this journey to, uh, to discover more about these, these, this ancient, fairy tale that came down and like ended up killing his family uh, and just living in this world uh, and going to this university and, and just learning uh, about who you are, uh, the world that you live in uh, and the way people act to it, to one another. It's, it's really, it's it, just the writing is beautiful. The writing will, will, will take your breath away. Uh, the first three sentences he describes the leaves blowing on an autumn day. And I've, I've never had more of a literature boner in my life than the moment I read that. Sweet. Um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. So, you know, nonfiction, how to win f- friends and influence others, uh, and then fiction, the name of the wind.
2: I thought you were going to be the one who was going to say Harry Potter, and Game <laughs> of Thrones, and you weren't. You weren't.
0: <laughs> funny. So, Ram- so, so funny lot.
1: story, I refused to read that for more than a decade until my wife Potter shamed me on Facebook, and Roman and Tanner Bay's, uh, and, like, Lied a bunch up. of other fitness people who have read it, like, lit into me, so yeah. I finally
2: read like
0: how Like, what the fuck were you doing? Well, I haven't read it yet either, although course, I swear I will. I was
1: an anti-hipster hipster. I didn't want to be that guy who read it. It didn't interest me. And then I read it, and I was like, I'm an idiot. Why didn't I read this
0: okay, so years Okay, you did, you did read it. Yes, it of great. course. Yeah, yeah. I still yeah. haven't, so I'll get to that at some point.
2: <laughs> you can <laughs> <even laughs> rip through it though now. like you, Yeah. about an audiobook? I'll probably I'll audiobook
0: it. the hell out of it, and that'll be it. I'll be done in a week. So I guess the last thing that's obviously one of the most important things is where can our uh, – our our audience find you, uh follow more of your wacky adventures, learn from your content. And that I guess includes the podcast as well.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, if you want to check out anything I write, uh, you can check out sidequestfitness.com, uh S-I-D-E, Q-U-E-S-T, like a side quest in a video game. Uh and then fitness.com. Uh you can find that on Facebook as well. There's a page for that. Uh, Sidequest Fitness on Instagram. I'm kind of doing a lot of things on Instagram in the next month. Uh, Twitter is Sidequest FM because I used FM for the uh, the tag for the podcast all the time. Uh, Sidequest Podcast is what you can find if you want to go listen. I have over two hundred uh, over two hundred episodes, solo episodes that I did. Interviews with Dean Somerset, uh, Tony gentlecore John Romanello, uh, big names that you guys have had on as well. Patrick Humphrey, uh, Sohee Lee back in the day, JC Dean uh, Raj law, um, lots of really great people in the industry, uh, and lots of, you know, up and comers as, as well. Uh, and then just some really cool people. I get to interview one of the, um, writers of the Simpsons who ran a marathon and wrote a book about it. And it was the most fun I've ever had on a podcast. And I did also interview Don Mazzetti of bro science, uh, which was, I like, it's amazing to watch him drop out of character and just be himself. Uh, and it was like almost it was it was scary because we're doing the podcast and he's dumb and then like we end and he just like goes back to himself and it was like Whoa, 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 whoa. who are you? This is it was just a it was weird to experience and in, 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 having a theater background, like I know that. I do I've done that on stage, I've done that uh, you know, a lot, but it's still weird to, to see. Um, cause you only see someone in that capacity. Um, and then if you want to friend me on Facebook, uh, you can just find me Robbie Farlow, R-O-B-B-I-E-F-A-R-L-O-W. If you friend me on Facebook, please send a DM as well and say, that you heard me on this podcast <laughs> because I won't friend you because too many people try and sell me Ray-Bans or some other bullshit. So just send me a DM and say, Hey, I'm trying to friend you heard you on the podcast. I'd love to like connect with you. And then I'll accept your friend request. But just let me know that you're not trying to sell me Ray Bans.
2: That's good advice for anyone adding any of us, actually. That makes sense. That's good advice
1: (laughs) for everyone in the fitness industry. If you look at someone that you get a friend request from and they only have two mutual friends and you look, go to their page. If you see a bunch of ads for shit, don't friend them. Don't do it. Yeah. I do it if I can't find,
2: if it's like a very hot, hot girl with like three pictures, I know it's a catfish. (laughs) <laughs> no seriously that, that like why would she be uh, wanting to be my friend and then you're like I don't know she doesn't know anyone maybe it's me no it's probably not me she's a cat yeah, I, get, I get a lot of friend she's requests a,
0: from people who like I got 40 or 50 mutual friends from and it's all the fitness industry all over North America and yeah no messages like who the fuck is this but I usually accept <laughs> those if they look like they're legitimate but sometimes they're bogus and it's like no no fuck this crap yeah yeah, yeah. So, guys, uh, Robbie's amazing. You definitely want to follow what he's doing. He's got a unique take on a lot of this sort of stuff. Super fun, especially if you're in, into any of this sort of, you know, comic or, or. D and D culture, any of this kind of stuff. He's a good follow. And if you're one of Robbie's uh, listeners who is just finding us through his social media, guys, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, hopefully you'll check out maybe one of our other episodes. By the time we release Robbie as the 25th episode, his good friend Eric Bach will have been our 24th episode. So you'll have access to Eric. He's an awesome dude. Or, uh, you can go back and I think it's what our sixth episode, Carter Good. No, seventh, I think, Carter Good. Carter good, is an amazing yeah. guy. So try those out. If you like them, then maybe consider subscribing to us because well, Robbie isn't currently putting out any more new episodes, yeah. <laughs> so uh, hopefully we can fill that gap a little bit.
2: Matt, you're trying to onboard his users. Uh,
0: fuck yeah, but 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 but
2: but.
1: If my if my listeners are listening, guys, I've listened to a couple. They're uh, you know they're fantastic. Give these guys a listen. Give them a follow subscribe, uh, you know, and, uh, and listen to them. Let them take place, the place in the whole of, there's a hole in your heart that I'm not filling anymore. Let these guys fill that hole. I'll fill well, your now, holes.
0: You guys cut me out before. You guys cut me out before I went where I was going to go. Now guys, for the people who are a little bit more used to us and are just discovering Robbie, go check out his podcast because there are a ton of really great episodes with people. Again, you mentioned Dean Somerset, you, t- you know, Jay Ashman's on there, Patrick Humphrey and a hell of a lot more really super cool people. So you, if you're looking for more, then this is a really cool place to go, right? And who knows, maybe, uh, if it, uh, You poke at him enough, he'll uh, bring it back and uh, start producing new episodes in the future. I'll produce
1: new episodes if someone wants to take show notes and write all of that crap for me and edit. I don't want to do it anymore. If someone wants to do it, out of the goodness of their own heart, maybe I'll slide you some money. I just, I
2: don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> just don't do I it. Can't.
0: Oh, you you can just do what I do. You, I answered, just and you answered a question that I omitted because of time. And I was actually curious as to kind of why you you wound it down after so long. But I mean, like, fuck, 200 episodes is incredible. Like, Dean and I are just hoping, hoping that we can get that far. But I, I
1: would have so- kept it going, but I did all the back, you know, all the back end stuff. I edited everything. Uh, and really, I just put it in GarageBand and like I had an intro and all this stuff. But it, you know, it took an hour, and then show notes and like links and putting up the like it. It yeah. really took a lot of time. It would take me nearly two hours in total. We don't do show notes, and it no. just, yeah, it just, I, you know, I, I lost my heart of it because of that. I do miss it. I do miss talking to people. I enjoy coming on other podcasts, and I would love to continue it. But until someone emails me and says, "Hey, dude, I love your stuff," and I will totally do that.
2: I think um, I'll take that advice though. I think that I took the mentality of "fuck it," publish. And I put an intro, fucking cut off the beginning and the end, and put an outro, and then I just get Andrew to do the bio. If I put any more work into that, I know I'll I'll resent the fuck out of it.
0: Well, the two of us combined... Uh, and then, you know, for anyone who doesn't really kind of know this about how we put the podcast together. So like, I don't think either one of us could even come close to doing this alone. Um, yeah. Like I tend to do most of the, the writing and all that sort of stuff. And and I'm usually the one who finds the guests, but Dean takes care of all the tech stuff and then we just play off each other in the episodes and it seems to work really, really well. But uh, yeah, like I don't imagine I could ever do any of this stuff on my own. So yeah. fuck that. <laughs> now that I think about it, I don't know how you did do it for 200 fucking episodes. <laughs>
1: I should do because I, like I said, I live on an extreme. I will put my head down and grind things out and just do it until I literally go, that's it, I'm done, I can't. And then I go to the opposite extreme. Fuck <laughs> it, it's ballast, done. I told you.
2: I <laughs> yeah, don't fuck, but... I'm done.
1: I'm done. I'm not doing it anymore. So,
2: <laughs> your poor users, again, come over to our podcast and we'll fill your hole <laughs> in your heart.
0: <laughs> oh my God. Okay, we're going to end on that. Robbie, you're the best, man. Thanks so much for coming on Uh, today.
1: Have fun. Shut up up, up, and sit sit down. down.